0: If you're looking for success, it's In The Details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hello, friends, and welcome to In The Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. And let me just tell you, if there is one area of life that I would like to improve the most, because you know I am constantly evolving, I'm very open about that, it's definitely my eating habits. Like that—that That is the one area where, listen, My son and I, we don't eat fast food a whole lot, but as a single parent, I get tired of cooking. It's the truth. I just, you know, and I'm looking for these healthy options for those nights that I either don't want to cook, or I don't have time to cook because we're running between play practice and basketball and choir and all the things. And that is one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to today's conversation with my guest, Steele Smiley. Steele started in the fitness side of the health and wellness industry, uh, but then he expanded his presence and dove into the food side of things, which I think think is amazing. Steele's the founder of Stalk and Spade, Crisp and Green, and coming soon, a Chipotle alternative with lots of plant-based options. Uh, Looking forward to that because my kid loves Chipotle. (laughs) But all healthy, fast, casual restaurants aim to help consumers stay healthy, even when life is busy and we are on the go. So Steele, welcome so much to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate
0: it. Nice to be here with you. Oh, it's so good to be here. And I think I saw this. Are you from Northern Virginia?
1: I actually moved 14 times before I was 20, so I have a, a couple of of hometowns. But I, I did spend a lot of time in Northern Virginia. I I went to to high school in Northern Virginia, and uh, and went to you know college at, at UVA. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in the in the you know general DC area. Worked on Capitol Hill for a while, so. Gotcha. that's kind of what i consider my most home oh, yeah I,
0: I hear you on that and i saw that you moved around quite a bit also i'm an air force kid so i feel like i'm you more of like a global citizen you know but but i went to school with george mason so i was like oh is he from nova oh, wow.
1: Okay. Yes. Yes. In this, in this circumstance, yes. It's either here or or Colorado, depending upon who's asking, but
0: yeah, I love it. I love it. And one thing I saw when I noticed that you had some grassroots in, in Virginia is also as a youngster, is this true at 10 years old that you started working out? Like this is blowing my mind a little bit. If this is a true statement about you, 10 steel,
1: Well, no, I I, actually, I think it was more like eight, but at 10 years old, I uh, no. And, and, you know, look, I mean, I I don't think it's a unique story. I mean, if your, if your child is really good at something, you kind of become a professional, but at at age 10, I mean, I was clearly either going to be a professional runner or a professional swimmer. And so I, I did both and started training 40 hours a week, roughly at age 10 and, and, and did that all the way through college. So Yes. I mean, it was kind of all I knew. Both my parents were athletes and it was something that I could do as I was moving across the country constantly. Mm-hmm. I always would have a community with with my sports people mm-hmm. and it wasn't a cool sport like football or basketball, but it was, it was a community nonetheless. And, uh, and I I, I
0: would say that is very cool. Are you talking about swimming or running? Either of those are cool. And I'm going to tell you why, because most people think that a sport is just going to be tied to a ball. And it is not because if you don't have a ball as motivation that you're chasing after you have to find that intrinsic motivation and doing laps or, or the endurance that comes between swimming and running is like remarkable.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I actually had, had figured out that by the age of 18, I had spent something like, you know, 14% or something of my, of my life essentially underwater. And, you know, it was either running, you know, you're, you're running by yourself, you're, you're, you're training by yourself, well, you're with a, com- a community or a team, but you are looking at that line on the bottom of the, of the pool and, and there's not a lot of room for conversation when you're, you know, underwater. So you have a lot of time to think as a child. I
0: think about with those two sports in particular. I was an athlete growing up too. Volleyball and basketball were my main sports, but I tried everything because, like you, I'm like, this is where I make friends, right? It was on the field or on the court. But when I think about those two sports you just mentioned, it really is about like the mental game, right? And nowadays there's a lot of conversation around mental performance as it pertains to elite athletes. I think we all need to talk about mental performance, but in those in particular, you just talked about. It's seeing the finish line and just like getting in your head and knowing in between where I am and that finish line, it's all about what's going on right up here in my head. Nobody's telling me, Hey, set a pick or go long or calling an audible, right? It is you in your lane. Were there any like fundamental lessons that you learned in that space?
1: Well, I I mean, I think that there's a lot and and certainly swimmers and, and runners and, you know, have this unique ability, figure skaters, probably a lot in other sports, but you're training so much for such a small, you know, window of opportunity. And, and so in in, in my case, you know, I ended up going all the way through and and I missed trials in 96 by two one hundredths of a second. So, which was, you know, for me devastating. And I didn't want to wait till 2000 again to, to do, you know, to wait for the next opportunity to join the Olympic team, but it's such a, a small margin of error. And so, you know, the difference between your mental attitude going into the opportunity or into the challenge or into the race or the or the meet can make the difference between you making, you know, the team or not. And so it, it really frames a great life for you to learn how to be mentally strong at such a young age when every little second and every little details matter, especially in the sport of swimming. I mean, it, it is there's no margin of error. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience.
0: Yeah. I, I'm sure that uh, sometimes we don't see this. Well, obviously we don't see it when we're in it, but there's this great Steve jobs quote that says you can tell where you're going only when you turn around and connect the dots. And That's I'm right. sure you can see some parts of, you know, your experience through these particular sports, or even just your childhood being able to adapt. I know that this was something that was very strong for me being able to adapt because we were moving all of this, you know, really leads to and starts to ingrain our character traits and our character strengths as well. I believe that honestly, yes, life experiences, but like really our challenges help us to get stronger. You know, they shape us, they, they build us a challenge that could be monumental, a significant change in your life, or even a challenge. Like I'm trying to win this meet, or, you know, I'm trying to excel past this. And they also help you to, Tap in and like discover new parts of yourself. I'm wondering, was there a challenge that you went through that made a lasting impact as, and maybe contributes to the character that you have today? It Doesn't have to necessarily be from that uh, era of life, but any challenge that's made that lasting impact on your character.
1: You know, I think there, there's probably a lot of them, and thank you for asking. I, I think the you know moving, and you know this as someone who moved a lot as a child. I think moving is a, is a very difficult thing to do when you're young and. You know, of course, I don't think I realized how difficult it was until much, you know, many, many years later. But you know, I moved 14 times before I was 20. And so I, I always kind of call a lot of my business learnings today and my ability to adapt to situations kind of uh, you know around the rules that I learned around the lunch table. And you know, you 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 remember those moments, whether it's the bus that you got on in the morning or the lunch table where you're sitting with friends and everyone had that opportunity. You know, I did not have that opportunity. And and I, I look at that as a really interesting way to grow up where you you know you're constantly forced to adjust mm-hmm. to a new environment you know with new people and 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 that is a very very difficult thing to do and and I'm I'm proud that I was able to get through it but it was probably you know an incredibly difficult way to start your life because mm-hmm. it gives you lots of unique tools that you certainly can value later in your life but going through it mm-hmm. you know it's not a very fun experience i mean i think i spent you know uh, w- way too many times I, I would time it out so that you know it's 30 minute lunch period I would I would wait in my class you know another eight minutes past the bell so that I didn't have to go into the lunchroom and then I would wait I'd you know go to the to the restroom and and, and, and buy another six or seven minutes I would go through the line I would eat really quick in about six minutes and then whatever time I had left I try to leave early so yeah it's an unbelievable experience and it, it has pretty much shaped I think my entire life. After little did I know at the time, but everything I do goes back to those moments of of, of that self self reflection,
0: you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's interesting that you say that and you describe it in that way, because this is something that I think we overlook. And we project our experiences on to other people because we're just very limited by the world that we create in our head and our perspective of the world. But you know, two people can go through the exact same experience and feel completely different about it. And I think about uh, one of my sisters and I, we were close in age and we went through those changes in location, having to move so much. And it was, she was very much, she didn't always love it, and I was always excited. I'm like new friends. This is this is going to yeah, be great. We'll yeah. be fine, you know. And and so it's interesting. But I but I hear you because there is always that moment where you're like, okay, how am I going to navigate this? Which translates to our life as entrepreneurs, right? It's not like there's this script, this job description that we can follow. It's like, okay, something new, how am I going to navigate this? So regardless of if it was, if it felt like a a positive or a trying experience having to, you know, pick up and move so often, it does still then produce the same agility, if you will, and, and our ability to adapt and Find our way through a scenario, even if it feels uncertain, because we have been in those uncertain situations many times as, as youngsters.
1: It, extremely well said. I, and I think you have this unique perspective of having lived through that as well. I, I think, you know, you, you look at the light of your life as an entrepreneur, where there really is nothing that that is the same day in and day out. And and you know, whatever you counted on yesterday might not be there tomorrow. And whatever yep. you might need from the universe might be given to you tomorrow. I mean, there's always something that can change. And so that is akin to the way we both grew up is that you have to learn to adapt to those things. It's not yes. easy, but it is a part of being an entrepreneur.
0: And it's a part of life, right? I mean, we forget that because humans, we love certainty. We thrive in the comfort zone, right? But, but unfortunately, that's just like that consistent comfort zone is not there it's just it's not a reality because things are always changing i mean heck i think we learned that globally when the pandemic hit in 2020 it was like oh we thought we had a five to ten year plan nope didn't see this coming
1: <laughs> i i think that's a really unique observation i think you know living with an idea that whatever you believe today might change tomorrow or your world around you might change tomorrow is, is something we've all had to learn to live with but us mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs especially with people who have had our backgrounds we've been living like this since age 10, you know, so it it wasn't necessarily as a, as big of a challenge. I think, uh, Mm -hmm. at least the COVID experience was not as much of a challenge for, for myself, I think, as, as maybe others, because it was another big change and I have them every other day. So, you know, bring Mm it on.
0: Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Bring it on. (laughs) What else you got universe? (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, that one, that one was a tough one, but it was also a very pivotal point too, for, for a lot of amazing things that can, that can happen and a very difficult rapper, you know?
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. I read in this interview that you did that, uh, you said, and I don't, I don't remember the year this happened, but you recognize that in order to become a different person, like you had to manifest, you had to manifest in your life. And I, Listen, when it comes to manifestation, we could probably sit here and talk for hours, Steele, for hours. But yeah. there's something that came through in that that I was like, oh, okay. I wonder how much manifestation is a part of your life as an entrepreneur. I know how much it is you know, for me, but more so, I would love to hear what manifestation looks like to you.
1: You know, I, I will tell you, it is the, the center most important part of my day every day. And I think people would be surprised to hear that, but there is no detail that that defines my life that I don't try to either manifest or goal plan prior to it happening. And so I once had a swim coach go back to swimming and go back to DC where, you know, it's called the beltway, 494 yeah. and 394. I, I once had a swim coach tell me, and, and uh, I thought it was brilliant advice and I've used it now my entire life. But he said, if you go around the beltway, which is, you know, take wherever, whoever, wherever you're listening, take the highway that circles your your, your city. If you continue to go around that beltway without the ability or that highway without the ability to plan an exit, you are just driving aimlessly. And, and you will find yourself, whether it's one year, 10 years or 20 years, continuing to drive down that path. And you will have accomplished none of the goals that you wanted to without any of the life benefit that you could have built into your life. And so I'm a firm believer that you have to define what it is that you're looking for out of your life. You have to try to set it out in the universe, whether it's through a manifest board, which is something that I continue to use every day. It's now digital. It used to be actually cut out items and and put in my my bathroom. I look at it every day. But, you know, things that, that define and build your life plan and march it out and and don't let any, any area go unturned, whether it's your relationships, what do you like them to be your, your business, you know, maybe it's your goals, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your religion, maybe it's your, your hobbies or interests and not that they all come true, you know, because as we sit here yeah, this isn't like
0: rubbing a lamp in a genie, you know, folks. I would would
1: love it. I would love it if that's the case. It's not always the case. But it is amazing to see how accurate my board has been year over year versus reality and and whether we manifest it, make it happen because we're intentionally putting our our efforts into that area or or whether, you know, it's the universe acknowledging that that it's not just us making those decisions, whatever the the right answer is, you know, every human should do it. I'm a huge believer. I know you are too.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Was there a book that helped to like shape or form the way you practice manifestation or?
1: No, it, it was purely out of getting my ass kicked. I mean, that, <laughs> that, that is, that is tell, how us this more. Started. tell us more. Oh, no. I mean, I look, I mean, I, I have had more <laughs> moments on the floor in at death's door, uh, <laughs> that I can remember. And it was those moments where you either get the F up and you realize that you better put it, put it, put it together and make a plan or you mail it in. And I mean, it, it was those moments where I was at the end where I realized that it's just the beginning. And I'm sure it sounds like you've had those too, but but out of the difficulty has come, the struggle has come the opportunity. yeah, And the ability to reframe the situation and look at a situation in a different lens and say, okay, why did this happen? What, what part of it was I responsible for? You know, Mm -hmm. most of it usually, you know, and, 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 and what can I do to manifest and rebuild a different outcome and Mm -hmm. who do I need to become to do that? And where do I need to live? And what does my business look like? And are my people I'm surrounding with the right people? And and am I thinking things the right way? Am I positive enough? Is my religion strong enough? I mean, it's, it's in those checkpoints Mm -hmm. that, that I now do on a daily basis, but I used to do like, you know, weekly, but now it's every, every day. You realize where your strength is and how you can rebuild your life's plan.
0: So when you first started thinking about this and you you said, you know, I need to be, I need to become different to manifest basically what I want. What was top of mind for you? Like what, when you think, actually, let me start here. When I first started to dive into manifestation, I didn't, I wasn't calling it that I wasn't labeling it that, but yeah. I had an on the floor moment. And I was crying out, I was like, what the hell is going on? I don't know where to go from here. But what started to come to me was these two paths of either giving up or getting up. And so I started, I knew that I was giving up because I was living on autopilot and I wasn't doing anything to take care of myself. So the get up, even though it felt like an arduous journey and it was going to be incredibly long and difficult, I could back it up to, well, what kind of person do I want to be? And at that moment, my North star, and it still is, but in that moment that took me out of the darkness, the the North star was my son. And the three words that came up for me were, I want to be a healthy happy and whole mom. Because from that space, then I felt like I could start to, you know, I I think that when we consider how we're designing our life, first we are in the discovery phase, then we start to define it and then we can start to design it. Right. And so I was just discovering what that looked like, but then I moved quickly into, I am defining myself as a healthy and happy and whole mom, even though I didn't feel it in that moment. But those three words, they pulled me to the actions that would support port how i was defining myself how i knew i wanted to live and and the direction so when you were talking about okay i needed to you know i need to basically change who i was going to be to manifest what i want were there any particular words or was there was there a vision of yourself that you saw that you were very specific about manifesting
1: okay listeners are you listening <laughs> to what she just said i want to just acknowledge you for a minute i mean that that is that is fierce that is powerful that is amazing i mean what an amazing story! And 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 look, I mean, I don't think that I've done anything better than that. I mean, you know, the idea that you 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 have put yourself together for yourself, your son, and those that love you. I, I mean, that is an incredible gift to you, to him, and to the rest of the world. So I think that's amazing, and my story pales in comparison to that. But I but I do think everybody has their own moments of, oh shit, you know, that you know, th- this is not the outcome that I had hoped, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is in those pivotal moments that you truly realize what you're. It, it, you know, you build your next plan. You either collapse or you rise. And and there have been probably three or four of those over the course of my life that I can remember. You know, out, out you know you know right outside of uh, of college, I, I think was was one one in you know in my late 30s. Uh, you know, one recently within the past you know couple months. I mean, there there have been those moments. But pick one. Just- pick
0: one and share it. Go deep.
1: Well, I I think for me, probably the most the the first one was the most impactful one. You know, I uh, and and I have said this before, I uh, but not not very often. I think it was years ago, but I, I had a really bad speech impediment as a child, and so not only did I strategically choose to be a swimmer because I didn't have to socialize, I moved so much I didn't get to socialize, and then I didn't have the opportunity, you know, to to really. know feel comfortable in any environment that I was with. And so I I I had a moment in my low in my early twenties where I realized that I I would have to completely to be a successful person that I wanted to be and define success. It's very different for me now than it was in my 20s. But you know I wanted to be able to walk into a room and introduce myself and have confidence. And I did not I did not do that. I mean I would do all the tricks to try to gain confidence in a room. I would go in a conference room and I'd put all the chairs low and then I would put mine high. Like, I mean, I would play every trick I could. I would come into the office early. So, you know, I, I didn't have to walk through a row of people, When in my first job and say hi to everybody. I would, they would say hi to me. And so, you know, I, I learned to play all the tricks. And one day I just said, I've had it. I'm not going to do it anymore. It's almost like someone who had done a drug had said, uh, You know i one day you hear these stories where it's like it didn't it wasn't uh, interesting to me anymore but i i i I refused to stutter and and i said i'm I'm done and i made a decision that i was going to be done i decided to design my first life plan of like okay this is i want to go into the fitness business i want to build my body so i wasn't a skinny nerd anymore you know i wanted to be to be more demanding uh, and more physically imposing to myself, so I could have a little bit of protection, and, and, I, and I'm going to go into the fitness business, even though I was an investment banker, which was a, a terrible financial choice for me, you know. Oh. But but, but <laughs> and something quite that, a leap. Oh, it, it was a it was a it, it was the best thing I ever did in my life. But it was the single biggest, most fearful moment because you you decide to pivot into something where I knew I could have physical protection and be in an industry that was lively and and excitable. And one that I love that would pay me nothing, or you know, go and get my ass kicked on Wall Street. And so I, I made that choice. And and just like many stutterers, which people who are around me enough can hear it occasionally if I tell them my story, but never would have guessed. yeah, never would have guessed. <laughs> but they all have, you know, uh, they, they've had these moments where it, it stops. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's in their head and there's there's all this research as to why and how and and no one knows, but uh I mean, that was probably the first big one, you know, and I'm thankful that I was able to get through it.
0: That is incredible. And then like 40 other questions came to mind in the midst of you sharing that, but I just want to honor the fact that you had that level of clarity to be able to connect where you wanted to go with something you needed to overcome.
1: I appreciate that. I, I didn't look at it. It's emotional talking about it because I don't, really say, get to talk about it that much. I think the inability to to walk up to someone and introduce yourself yeah. completely changes your ability to be your whole self. And I, I have the enormous amount of empathy for anybody who has gone through that because it is just soul crushing. Yeah. And I think I had no choice. It was either mail it in, and you know would work a job where i didn't have to have much communication and just kind of be a, a secluded individual or become someone that i felt like had the opportunity to live a, a bigger better purpose and and it, the choice found me or i found it i don't know but it was the first one you know
0: well i am so glad that you i'm so glad that you leaned into that and that you had a courageous heart to see it all the way through i think that is beautiful and i will tell you there, there. they're Three TikToks that make me cry all the time. There's three sides of TikToks. Um, one is, you know, uh, somebody in the military coming home. Obviously, it's very personal to me. Yes. I think that gets most people. Another one is someone who has a uh, physical disability that you can clearly see and they do something that is outside of what they were told they would have the uh, capacity to do. And then the third one, believe it or not, and I follow them all the time is when someone who has a speech impediment, who is stuttering, they go up and they are recording themselves intentionally doing practices in public areas. And when they go up to different people, they use tools like breathing or taking a pause. And so they're recording themselves through these interactions and they explain why they have put themselves in a public park or on a train or walking into Starbucks and they're all always so gentle in their spirit because they're trying to do something brave, which as you just described is is being able to show up as their whole self and communicate with people. And just, I cry every single time. Yeah. I'm just telling you right yeah.
1: now. <laughs> it's a good thing. I don't see those because I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't make it. I mean, I, I think my trick was avoidance because I didn't want to have an interaction because it was so embarrassing. For me, and the second thing is, is I would I would sing it, uh, which sounds a little bit odd, but a lot of people who have speech issues will will put a little cadence into their voice, and and it allows them to. In fact, some people who can who cannot form a full sentence stutter can sing amazingly, or they can. Mm-hmm. They can actually speak in an accent fine. So, (laughs) so I I would, I would put these rhythmic ways into it. And I, and sometimes people would notice and look at me very funny and sometimes they wouldn't, but, uh, you know, you do whatever you can. It's survival. It's survival mode
0: yeah yeah and a lot of courage you know to to overcome something that you know and you feel could be a barrier i mean and that's anybody's story right but but thank you thank you so much for for sharing that especially because you mentioned that you don't share it often so thank you for sharing no, that here
1: <laughs> no it, it was a uh, it, it was a crazy it was a crazy one and i remember when my parents heard it for the first time i think they were like very surprised because they said okay you know you're in the house with us you know my dad was busy he was working to supporting my family my mother stayed home with the kids and it was an amazing experience but stutterers also don't stutter in their own homes because they're comfortable there mm-hmm. so they stutter to the outside world and i always remember and my dad would remember this and he'll listen to this and he'll be like holy shit is that why oh. i would always, when we went to his office i in the car i would always say dad would you do me a favor would you please introduce me to other people and so I may, and he was like oh okay so you, you got it. But the amount of times I asked my parents that would be was like 150 times. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they ever thought about it but I was like I was so afraid to be the one to have to say something first because everyone's they turn and they look at you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how do you address that? So Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, now that makes sense why when I see these videos they're always in public places that is the place where they're, where they're working on it. So that makes, that makes so much sense. And I will say secret secretly in my heart, I'm like, I hope someone comes up to me because then when you see the other person holding space for them and being incredibly patient, the emotion between those two humans and the connection you can just, I mean, see pouring out in this video, it's absolutely beautiful. So, yeah. Now,
1: I, I need to not see that. I, I, will, uh, I will not make it out of the house that day. I'm but sure it'll be it.
0: emotional. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure hundred no, percent. I did see something else that that changed your life and this is moving more so in the, the direction of your current ventures. And you decided in 2014 that you were going to transition to strictly plant-based diet or were you just introducing it? Cause I saw that you mentioned it, like, it radically changed your life and I'm wondering how so.
1: Yeah, probably a good segue into the number two real pivotal point. And look, I don't think that my story is particularly unique. I think everybody has these pivotal moments in their life. What I think most people don't do is they don't take that action that happens and make a reaction and do something different. I think they accept it for what it is. And then they move on with with whatever that may be, and it, it leaves almost a hole in them so, to some degree. And so, if, if we're not careful, twenty years go down, we're Swiss cheese. I mean, we we are like holes of all of who we wanted to be. And so, you know, I I, I was mid thirties. I had just sold my first company. You know, to make your first million dollars, so to speak. And and I was thankful enough, it was a great uh, exit for me was the hardest. And so I, I got over the finish line, I remember I got the wire, which was amazing day for me. And then I was sick, like the next week, and then I proceeded to be sick for about a month. And then I, I felt better. And then I was sick again. So I ended up in the hospital three times in in, in four months, like in the emergency room overnight, you know. And and I actually thought I had the C word. I was like, I I, I think this is it. I mean, I think I'm I, I made it. I sold the company, and now I'm, I'm dying. And I remember telling people around me that that is exactly what had happened. And and you know, look, you you're able to see me today. we on a video. Most people who 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 see this won't won't see me. But I mean, I, I think I stay and I try to stay in as amazing shape as I can for an older guy. I mean, I'm 45 years old. You know, looking I, like he's I,
0: 28, folks. Oh, You'll you, see you, it you, when you look him up.
1: <laughs> you you are so nice, but I mean, I was not physically. I was mid thirties. I was, I was rough. I mean, my face was rough. I had gray hair, which I, I, I don't thankfully today, which is amazing how it turned back and I'll get into that in a minute. But after all of the iterations in the hospital, what we finally found out was that it was nothing. Nobody found out a reason why. And after multiple days at the Mayo Clinic, and I had a good connection there and I happen to live in Minnesota. So we're close to you know, the world renowned Mayo Clinic, Mm -hmm. they they told me and said, Look, Steele, we don't know what the problem is. But we think maybe that it's stress. And we don't, it it manifests in all these weird ways, but we're going to recommend something to you. We've been recommending it for, you know, many years, no one actually listens, but we think you should, you should live a plant-based diet. And I looked at them. And I mean, I was, I was at that point had been weightlifting and, and chicken breasts and heavy on protein. You
0: know, and yeah, <laughs> oh
1: no doubt. It was, we were from the fitness business. You, you know, right. what it's like, so that was my life. And I was like, how am I going to do this? And so that was like December 27th, right after Christmas, January 1st, 2014, I, I went hundred percent plant-based and I, I'm not kidding you. It changed my entire life. And, and I did it not because I wanted to, I did it because it is the mm-hmm. only way I felt like I was going to have mm-hmm. a high quality life, and and it I think it saved my life. Quite honestly, wow. I mean, I i I've never had the problems again, mm-hmm. and it, and my diet has become more and more restrictive as I got older. As I get mm-hmm. older, and I mean, I think I'm now down to 25 foods I literally eat. That's it. But it, it has allowed me to stay young. My cells regenerate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. instead of instead of having to work off all of my food, my my mm-hmm. body is busy regenerating myself. My mm-hmm. hair came back better than it ever was. It was coming out. It came back. I I don't need, you know, these face treatments or any of this type of stuff. I mean, I'm literally able to live a high quality life looking younger 10 years later than I did before. And, and I plants are the only reason how that could happen. I was going to say, so the the fountain of youth is really plants, (laughs) you know, if I say that, I sound like a fanatic. So I'll no. let you say it. <laughs> but, I, but 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 I heard it here first from Karen Allen. <laughs> guys, I'm I'm telling you, you know, in in, in ten years from today. Our, our meat-based consumption in this United States, it will drop by 50%. And, and I I believe it. I think people are going to do it. They're going to opt into it, not just for ethical reasons. I think those are all great reasons. There's a million good reasons, but, but because of all of the hormones and the junk that is in our meat supply and our dairy supply, taking that and removing that out of your body can change your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, my body from, I wish I had pictures from, well, I do, but you know not necessarily shirt off pictures but 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 35 to 45 it was like what have you done and and the only difference was probably my stress level is now higher than it was at 30 but my my diet is perfect and, and yeah. that can change your life
0: it, well that's the thing right changing your diet or having a healthy diet will even say is life-changing and i didn't know this Fully at the time of my grief, and I was kind of coming out of it. But I do remember I had the opportunity to work with a coach through a program. And she very specifically was telling me about like the timing of eating so that I could be my best mental state for my son when I picked him up from uh, daycare. And so then I started to dive into these different books. One of my uh, favorite is the brain fog fix by Dr. Mike Dow, where he talks about very specific foods, again, that impact your brain. But I mean, that's only the beginning, right? That's because I was again obsessed with the human mind that's a place that i live in but i know that that can go into all areas of life but i will tell you one area that i think makes me a little sad is the fact that we know how important healthy eating is for our quality of life and then that obviously goes out to everything, our relationships, our work, the way that we are um, present in our community, so on and so forth. And the part that, you know, makes me sad and I guess not just sad, but frustrated is that access to healthy food is a game changer in someone's life. And we know that we can be better when we have healthier food, but there are so many neighborhoods, there are so many low income areas where they literally don't have access to healthy food options for like miles. And keep in mind, I live outside of Philadelphia, so I do think this whenever I drive into the city or when I was in DC, like you'll see McDonald's and Popeye's on every block. Right. And so yeah. have you, have you thought about that? Like, how do we get these fresh food options in areas that really need it the most?
1: Well, I, I, I think it's ultimately, uh, I share in that responsibility to fix it. I mean, I, I, I believe that those that have been fortunate enough to do something significant also have the obligation to help other people where and when they can. And so, you know, I, I think I've been pretty public about this, but I intend to give away 90% of, of what I of what I have and what I'd make off of my companies. And, and you know, my, my job is to fix some of those problems. I would love to fix it. You know, the reality of it is, is that people that live in, you know, my hometown of D.C., or, or your hometown of Philly. It's not that they don't want to eat better options. They want to eat better options. They they just live in in what we we're calling a food desert, which yes. is a place where there is not that that healthy option. And so yeah. it would be a, a an unbelievable outcome to utilize some of these resources that that we've been able to to gain through my companies and and build restaurants that, that meet that need in those communities that are not necessarily for-profit based restaurants. And so, you know, to me, that was, that is a part of my strategic plan. And, and I'm excited to to tackle that because I believe that given the option, everybody wants to live a better life. They don't always have the yeah. tools to do it, right? but those of us that do have the tools, it's our obligation, moral obligation yeah. to help
0: yeah to help one another i actually i saw that and i admire this so much is that one of your core motivations is driven by your ability to give back i know you do that through your foundation specifically tell us a little more about the the steel smiley foundation
1: yeah I, and and look i mean for lack of a better name that's kind of what i came up with it, it is a vehicle for me to point my resources to others outside of me, you know, and I I think most entrepreneurs get caught up in this idea that their life revolves around them. And, you know, God willing, I'm not going to let that be me. I I, I have no interest in furthering the the promotion and, and the person that is still more than, you know, whatever I've learned along the way, if it can help other people, or if any of the resources I've been able to Thankfully, uh, obtain can help other people. That is that is the way to be, and I and I wish more people thought that way. It's a deal that I made in my faith to say, look, I'm going to provide back to others, and that's just how I I wake up every day feeling, you know, not not uh, you know th- feeling positive and not guilty for you know opening a restaurant somewhere in the U.S. every five and a half six days or whatever <laughs> we're, we're doing this year, which is crazy. But if I can help other people along the way, that's what I want to do, and and that mission specifically in you know, those food deserts, is at the very top of the list.
0: Oh my gosh, well, that resonates deeply with me because also as an entrepreneur, when we you know, move into these positions and we're fortunate enough to be able to help others, like that's literally the point of humanity. Like for us, to be bound together, to help one another. And we do it through our different unique talents and experiences and resources and so on and so forth. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing not, not just your story, but also your heart, which I feel, uh, and, and I'm curious though. I mean, we have restaurants. I know you have the fitness part. What is next for you? I mean, the sky is the limit, Steele. I I hear you. I hear your heart, your mindset, all that. So what's next for you in this world of health and wellness?
1: Well, I I have my my three, my three restaurant chains, you know, we're, we're lucky, Uh, feel very fortunate enough to have amazing teams to do that. I just put in a CEO this year and I'm excited about, you know, him growing the business and, and, and I get to manage it from, you know, from the owner's box instead. So it's fun. And I vowed never to do anything anymore for the sake of commerce. So taking the money equation out of it. I have some unique ideas and I'm excited to, to share those, but they'll all be focused on helping other people. I very much believe that people have the opportunity uh, to be successful is further enhanced by a lens over your life to try to put someone else in front of yourself. And uh, I lived too many years of my life focused on me, not enough focused on others. And so if I've, if I've learned one thing no matter how much you have, if you can wake up and think about someone other than yourself every day, you're you're doing the world a service, you're doing yourself a service, and you're probably gonna end up further ahead than you thought. So
0: oh yeah, you know,
1: that's kind of the goal.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Steele, thank you so much for this conversation. I mean, between tears and goosebumps, it is sure to leave our Emotional. listeners with all the feels. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: This was emo- oh. more more emotional. I I uh, I applaud your story, and for your listeners too, they are lucky to have you. I mean, the, the ability to bring positivity like this and and get this type of emotion out of the people that you're speaking to is is a testament to you and you only. I mean, not many people can do that. So you you do a wonderful job. Thank you for what you do.
0: Absolutely. Well, my goal is always when people hear these stories that they don't feel like they're in a space of comparison, but instead it just inspires them to know that we're coming from so many different walks of life and different trials and, you know, different learning lessons. And the more that we share that with one another, I, it just advances all of us holistically. And so again, I appreciate your vulnerability, your willingness to share, go check out Steel Smiley, everything that he's doing. Uh, I'll be checking out that Chipotle alternative. I told you, <laughs> we spent a lot of fast food nights at Chipotle, but 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 so many wonderful spaces where you are continuing to serve others. And so thank you so much, Steele. It was a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you. Talk soon. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcast.